Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hi, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. We're heard in over 60 countries around the world, and we are the number one global business radio show for entrepreneurs. Today, we're broadcasting from Los Angeles, and we are celebrating our 200th show, and I am really excited to have an extraordinary guest on today to help us celebrate. Now, I remember the first show back four years ago. When I was as nervous as hell, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I'd done a lot of television before, but I've never done radio. Um, But somehow, we made it for four years, and I still don't know what I'm doing, but hopefully, we will make it for another four years. Hi, this is Freddie Ravel, keynote speaker and musical director with Madonna, Santana, Prince, and the Boston Pops who unlocks the music code to empower audiences all around the world. And Bob, I can't tell you what a joy it has been to share the platform with you, and I want to wish you a very happy 200th anniversary of your tremendous radio show, all the wit, all the brilliance, and all the passion you bring to entrepreneurs worldwide. We thank you. Thanks, Freddie. Freddie's a great mate of mine, um is with uh, Earth, Wind and Fire and Madonna and a number of others. Great guy, very down to earth. And you know, on this program, we love entrepreneurs. People who are creative and who make something out of nothing. This show's all about being an entrepreneur and having enough guts to break out of the routine, put it all on the line and do something that you really enjoy doing. It's really important and it's damn hard to do. I just had a thought. One of the things that I've been remiss on doing is thanking Matthew, who's my um, producer here at Voice America Business, and he, he gets me on air every week and, and makes sure that I sound as good as I can sound. And also my wife, Margie, who without her, this show just would not happen. She's a tremendous help. Now, speaking of entrepreneurs, there's one huge boost for entrepreneurs. It's only about eight weeks away and will dramatically change the impetus behind startups and early stage companies. Indiegogo, along with many in the startup industry, await a federal ruling on equity crowdfunding, which will allow crowdfunding campaign supporters to actually invest in startups through equity. You know, currently, you can donate to projects on Indiegogo, Kickstarter and all of those, and you get perks such as a T-shirt or maybe you get the first item that's been um, produced or a thank you note, but that's about it, depending on how much money you donate, of course. But these donors don't get any stake in the project that they put money in. Well, this expanded regulation is going to open investment to a greater segment of the population and it'll enable individuals who uh, to actually hold a stake in these startups. 
and that's when crowdfunding is really going to take off. This is a big shout-out. Congratulations to Mr. Bob Pitchard for 200 shows. Unbelievable, my brother. Thank you very, very much for making me smarter, and I've been so thankful to be part of your show. And, hey, call me up when the next time you have the next 200. Let's do it again. All right, my friend, congratulations. Thanks, Scott. That's my friend Scott. Scott Page, he's a serial entrepreneur. He's been successful at one startup after another, but he's also a member of Pink Floyd, Toto and Supertramp. <laughs> Thanks, mate. I'll see you on Saturday. Um, and while I'm giving shout-outs, I'd like to give a shout-out to all my listeners in Australia. A lot of people listen down there. And um, one of my really close friends for about 30 years, a, a brilliant tech guy, Alan White, um, I want to give a shout-out to him. And also to all my friends at Metal that are listening tonight. In October, only a couple of months away, the Securities and Exchange Commission is expected to finalise its decision on Title III of the Jobs Act, and this addresses equity crowdfunding. Title IV, which is another provision of the Jobs Act, went live in June, allowing startups to raise up to $50 million from non-accredited investors or individuals have got a net worth of less than one million and who have an income below 200,000. I think that's going to make one enormous difference. Money will flood into startups and with a bit of luck, we will have a lot of new innovations, not only in technology, but in all sorts of fields, which will really drive this country further. This is the most innovative country in the world. And the more support entrepreneurs get, the better this country is going to be in the years to come. Now, Indiegogo has launched a handful of new initiatives to expand its reach this year. It's a member of Amazon Launchpad, which hosts startup projects on its site and offers greater exposure for sales. It um, also launched its Indiegogo Life Unit. Now, this is a great initiative, which doesn't charge fees for fundraisers and serves personal causes like medical bills and community products and things like that. Um, one of its campaigns, led by the photo blog Humans of New York, is aiming to send Brooklyn students on a tour of Harvard University, went viral and raised a million bucks in a week. Now, if you've got a Kickstarter campaign, as you probably know, you need to Get the passionate, get people with your passion first. And as soon as that ball starts rolling, then other people will start donating as they through media and exposure. Indiegogo is a fantastic organisation. They're founded in 2008, so they're only really seven years old. And they've launched over 300,000 campaigns. That's 300,000 people that wouldn't have received any funds if it hadn't have been for Indiegogo. So come on, SEC, bring on these new changes. Bob, this is John Scholl from Service Quality Institute out of Minneapolis. I just want to congratulate you on the 200 shows. It's incredible. I love your work. You're outstanding. Every person in the world should be listening to your message because it's so on target. Congratulations again, Bob. Thanks, John. John is one of the foremost customer service experts in the world. He's been on the show. 
had a great interview, so if you want to listen to it, go into my archives, go to bobpritchard.com, and I can't tell you what show it is, but um, if you go through, you will find John's interview, and it is a great interview, and customer service, it, it's where it's all at. That's where it's been at for the last 10 years, 20 years, and just because you are in digital or on the web, doesn't mean you shouldn't have fantastic customer service. In fact, the opposite is true. Now, we've discussed graphene and its potential in all sorts of extraordinary applications in previous shows, but most recent research indicates its promise for better smart device batteries, and this is really important. Let me ask you a question. What if pieces of scotch tape the graphite in pencils and a Nobel Prize got to do with making your smartphone battery last for weeks instead of hours sometimes. Well, it appears that the answer is lots. The ripple-down effect of this unusual trilogy of items has researchers excited after two universities this week released their latest research within a day of each other, two universities within a day of each other. What's the chances of that? Now, it's 11 years since Soviet-born physicists used adhesive tape to create tiny slabs of carbon as thin as a single atom by repeatedly applying tape to graphene, to graphite, sorry. The result was an incredibly strong, yet a flexible material capable of conducting electricity. Now, the rest is history. The pair won the Nobel Prize in Physics in 2010, and received knighthoods the following year. So that was a pretty big discovery. Now, the resultant material, graphene, which is only one one atom thick, it's up to 300 times stronger than steel. And if you're looking through the business pages, there are hundreds of stories of high-profile investors funding graphite mining and boasts of applications for this material in tyres and wheels and unbreakable touchscreens and energy storing as a water cleanser, um, painting your house, which would absorb all the energy and store it, and a whole host of applications in electronics. So that's where smartphones come in. Today, limited battery life is a pain in the arse. And it holds us back from having even slicker phones, tablets, and wearables. It's why most new phones don't have incredible quad HD resolution. They should. They could. They can. But the battery is the problem. So that's why manufacturers tend not to install faster processors. It all doesn't run down the battery. All of these things churn through far too much juice. As we also know, smartphones may look beautiful, but need to be constantly charged. But the magic material graphene is coming to the rescue. (laughs) This week, the two universities announced advances in harnessing graphene to etch supercapacitors at nanotechnology level, creating incredibly small, powerful, flexible batteries that carry lots of energy and recharge quickly. So part of this 
of the impetus of, of graphene is to radically improve, improve, improve <laughs> batteries in electric cars and phones. Increasing range and performance is one aim, radically reducing the battery recharge time is another. Monash University have used an ion beam to write on graphene, creating supercapacitors thinner than a human hair. Think about that. Thinner than a human hair, an extraordinary achievement. The first battery prototype should be available within six months and really sophisticated prototypes in about three years. And after that was announced, the very next day, the University of Wollongong announced it had created a graphene-based compound that could store a huge amount of charge. Researchers plan to develop these batteries for electric cars, and now they see a huge future for these flexible batteries in wearables. So, you know, the, the amount of work on wearables is extraordinary. And last week, we um, were talking about the genes. I mean, some of the stuff that's happening today is just amazing, and we need very thin very powerful batteries with a lot of money to be made all of these products should be with us soon as more and more universities and research institutes do more research on graphene now we keep on hearing about how valuable social media is and how important it is to drive business. Well, if any of us had doubts about the value of social media, it should be dispelled by the fact that LeBron James, LeBron James, for anybody living outside the United States, is probably the best basketball player in the world, and he will tweet messages on behalf of advertisers. And he gets... $1,000 per character. That's $140,000 for every tweet that he puts out on behalf of an advertiser. So you put in A, $1,000. That's got to be the easiest way in the world of making money. And he probably doesn't even write it. He's got somebody writing it for him. They put out a tweet and they give him 1000 bucks for every character. 140 characters, 140,000 bucks, he didn't do anything, and his copywriter gets 50 grand a year. Hmm, great work if you can get it. Now, don't forget, if you're a company director, a manager, or an executive, you really should join the American Institute of Sales, Marketing, and Management despite the fact that I'm this year the honorary president of the American Institute of Sales, Marketing and Management, you really should join because it's only got one goal, or one major goal, and that's to raise the standard and proficiency of both individuals and companies within what are really the most important areas of business, aren't they? Sales. 
Now, nothing happens until you get a sale. You haven't got a business until you've got a sale. You might have the world's best product until you've got a sale, eh, no business. You need good marketing, otherwise you won't get sales. And you need management, otherwise you won't stay in business long enough to make a profit. So sales, marketing and management are the most important areas of business. And you need to be the best you can be and you need to keep up with all of the um, developments that are happening. Learn how to use all the new tools that are available. So go to AISMM.US. That's AISMM.US now and register. Hi, I'm Tim Draper. Congratulations to Bob Pritchard for his 200th radio show. Boy, he really does a beautiful job, and we're so proud to be associated with this amazing radio show. Uh, may the next 200 be even better. Thanks, Tim. Um, for those of you who don't know who Tim is, Tim's a good mate of mine, and um, he's responsible for the much of the money behind Skype, Baidu, Hotmail, Tesla, and many more. He is one of the biggest uh, venture capitalists in the world. He... Um, he set up a university. He doesn't like the way we're being educated, so he set up a university um, in um, Silicon Valley, of course, called um, uh, Draper University of Heroes, which um, has is simply about teaching people to be entrepreneurs, teaching them technology, and it's a phenomenal, phenomenal university. And um, my son Hunter was fortunate enough to go to the Draper University of Heroes, and uh, he also said that it was the greatest experience and he learned more at Draper University than he did going to college at one of the best colleges in the world in Washington, D.C. And funnily enough, Hunter also interned with my next guest during college semesters. So after the break, this is a really great pleasure for me to introduce you to the Ken Rakowski juggernaut. You'll find out why in a minute. On this 200th edition of Bob Pritchard Radio Show, I can't think of anyone that I would rather have on this show. If I had the choice of everyone in the world, which to some degree we do, I would have had Ken Rakowski. Ken is a strategizer he's an advisor he's a confidant he's a mentor to many of the world's leading technology business leaders venture capitalists and investors he knows everyone everyone respects him everybody comes to him he is incredible and uh, he is also the host of what of is the best and most influential business radio show in the world. Um, he's on about 140 stations with millions of listeners every single day. Ken, human dynamo, and one of the loveliest persons you would ever meet, ever. And next week, I also have a big announcement to make. I have joined up with um, AISMM and the fabulous Yes We Code organisation 
who are recruiting hundreds of grassroots training programs and teaming up with major technology partners and celebrities and political leaders to promote the goal of training 100,000 low-opportunity youth to become high-level computer programmers. That is fantastic, and we're very proud to be associated with them as from right now. You know, it's bloody absurd that almost 100% of Chinese high school students can write code. 100% Chinese high school students. And yet only 6% of Americans can, American high school students can. In a technology-driven world, this is absolutely bloody nuts. So I'm thrilled to be involved with Yes We Code, and I'll tell you more about it next week, and I'm looking to have an interview shortly with the CEO of Yes We Code, and uh, maybe we can get that on air next week. I'm Bob Pritchard. I'm broadcasting my 200th show on Voice America Business Channel, and I will be back with my guest, the fabulous Ken Rakowski, after this short break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the 200th edition of the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show. Over the last 200 shows, we've given you the insights into the lives of over 220 of the world's most interesting business people and what they do and what makes them tick. You know, it's extremely difficult to create a successful business and we all need all the help we can get. And that's why I stress every week that it's so important to have mentors and to take on board the advice provided by successful people, people like you here on this program, who have overcome the challenges that we all face in business. A few years ago, I had the great fortune to be introduced to METAL, the acronym for Media Entertainment Technology Alpha Leaders, which comprises the top 1,600 people across those fields. This is where I first met Ken Rakowski, the founder and host of this incredible four-hour networking and information event featuring amazing speakers for four hours every single week. I'm not, saying, I'm not exaggerating at all when I say that metal has really changed my life. Now, driving metal is an extraordinary achievement on its own. But that's just the tip of the Ken Rakowski juggernaut. Ken is a strategizer, an advisor, confidant, and a mentor to many of the world's leading technology business leaders, venture capitalists, and investors, as well as being the host of what is the best and most influential business radio show in the world, Business Rockstars. Now, Business Rockstars on the CBS radio network airs five days a week, on over 140 radio stations across America to an audience of millions. Ken's also interviewed an extraordinary 2,800 of America's top business talent. I've got to 220. I thought I was doing well. (laughs) 
Ken's also in demand as a speaker at the major tech and business conferences throughout the world. But more importantly, I think, despite an incredible and very demanding workload, having a plethora of successful friends who constantly seek his advice, Ken's about as humble a guy as you can get. He's really down to earth, and you can call him at any time. I got in touch with him the other morning at 2 a.m., and he responded immediately. And Ken will do anything he can to help anybody at any time. That's pretty rare. And there are legions of entrepreneurs right across this country and around the world who sing Ken's praises. So it's my great pleasure to welcome Ken Rakowski to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Hi, Ken. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Bob, I'm going to have you introduce me from now on. Done. <laughs> it's all awesome. true, though. Um, yeah, I don't know it's true. I mean, I, I know what my bio says and I know what people see me as, but when I hear it, if you remove my name, I would go, wow, that person's amazing. And the minute you said my name, I go, that's not me. I mean, I, I know it's me, but I suffer from what's called the imposter syndrome, which I think you probably are familiar with. Are you aware of that? Yeah, I think, we're, I think there's a lot of us a bit like that. Um, so yeah. what is it that makes Ken Rakowski get up in the morning at Sparrow Fart and work 18 hours a day every day and been doing it forever? What is it that keeps that engine going? driving it's probably my biggest weakness and that is the fear of not being accepted and i think uh, unfortunately my biggest strength is my biggest fear and uh, when i was young i probably was one of those outcasts not outliers but outcasts that felt like they were never accepted and i do whatever i can all the time to i guess overcompensate for what my fear is so it never consumes me or hurts me and i know it sounds strange but i the fear of what that is is what drives me does that make sense yeah it does make well it does make sense but it doesn't make sense on on stage you are just <laughs> so confident and so capable and and deliver such an amazing um um amount of information and and you do it so easily that it's it's hard to imagine that um you know you like donald, you like donald trump without the ego and you make sense <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, yeah, I, I, but you know, wait, Bob. I have to tell you, it, it's interesting because when you called me the other day and you asked me, "Hey, can I? Would I? I guess suck up some of your time because I, I, I'm probably the least qualified person to be on your show." Uh, I would suggest that, as I've watched you over the years, I mean, you constantly bring interesting people uh, to light. You connect with a lot of people around the world at a global level, and you know, when you say humble, you, you know, you're. When I see you, I think you're going to get off a of Harley Davidson because you just rode across the country because you're always so relaxed and you, relaxed. Yeah. I met you back in 2012, I believe, is when you and I met. Yeah. yeah. And every day when you, every time you see me, which is on a Saturday traditionally, I I don't know if you know this, but I'm scared to death because I don't know what's going to happen at that event that you go to, and. Going back to my fear, the fear of failure is what scares me. Don't you sit there and think, all these people, we, we meet every week in a theater, um, a movie theater, and every week it is packed. So that's got to give you a clue of how good this guy is. And it's not, it's not a whole bunch of schmucks turning up. It's a whole bunch of guys that are billionaires and hundred millionaires. I mean, these are all amazingly successful people. So when you go to the web... Um, there are thousands of pages about you. I've looked at every one of them. Um, but let's go back to your early days. 
Today you're an expert on all things technology. At one point you were at school and thinking about college. Technology was in its infancy. So what did you want to be when you grow up? You had a fireman's uniform in the cupboard? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to be... I wanted to be president of the United States. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy. No, actually, what I did is I don't I know. Grew it's up, getting less up, crazy every day. <laughs> oh no! I, I actually grew up. I wanted to be a priest. I went to the seminary. Right. Um, so I went to the priesthood for a while, and I, I left that because I realized that I like money and I like sex. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I kind of got that out of my head. And I guess in theory, you know, I, I, I do what a priest would do in theory is I bring a community together and I do whatever I can to make sure that community is always growing. And that's just not internally with the group that you and I are part of, but globally. I, I, I feed off the knowledge of knowing other people are growing through some type of way I've connected them. That's, that's the way I feed myself. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, um, and it, it's 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 a win-win for everyone, right? Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely, it's been a huge win for me. I I've got to tell you, I, I really mean that. Now, so you went on. You you taught engineering architecture at the University yeah, of Illinois. I, so how did you go yeah. from lecturer to work in radio in um, uh, well, Illinois? So I, I I wrote a software program when I was young uh, for a company called AutoCAD or Autodesk, and while I was teaching at University of Illinois. Uh, I was driving, I heard an accountant talk on the radio about accounting, and I thought it was the boringest show I've ever heard in my life. And I <laughs> thought to myself, if that guy can do it, I can do it. So I found that radio station, and I pitched a radio show. Now, this is in the early days, Bob, when, yeah, when no. computers weren't really a big deal. Yeah, in the mid-early 90s. And I pitched the idea, and the guy goes, yeah, you know what, come on on Friday, and you can do a show with us. And I started doing that show, and I did it once a week, and then it turned out, to get some legs, I got Bill Gates on the show and Steve Jobs because they weren't considered cool back then. Yeah. No one thought they were impressive. And uh, I would get all these, which would be deemed rock stars today, on the show back then. And it was just good timing. I became friends with a lot of these people because I saw them as cool where everyone else saw them as geeks and nerds. Yeah. So World Tech Roundup become, became the must-listen-to radio show for everybody in technology. Wow. You began to generate huge research. advertising revenue. Jeez, I, you must be the greatest salesman on the planet because the numbers uh, I know the numbers that you racked up in uh, advertising revenue were fucking extraordinary. And yeah, uh, we, it, it was interesting. You know, you just swore. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. I yeah, I know. I do it often. Video. Oh my God! So yeah, um, what, what I did was <laughs> this, and here, here's a little concept and that is remember perceptions golden and yeah. when i went again to back then oracle which was more of a a very b2b type of company and went to larry ellison who really wasn't on anybody's radar at the time and i went to uh traveling software if you remember Laplink, which was yes. actually the most downloaded and stolen software during that time and i went to microsoft and i said hey guys i want to feature you on a radio show these guys all went, well, wait a second, you know, we're not cool enough to be with the Nikes and the Pepsis of the world. I go, I know, but I can get you on. But unfortunately, <laughs> you're going to have to pay a premium just like they do. And I, I convinced these companies to spend six to $800,000 to be on a show that traditionally would only, you know, 
theoretically would charge an advertiser maybe a ten percent of that. Yeah. But they loved it, and they continued to advertise. And they used it as a tool to market and position themselves, so they saw it as a win also. So that was kind of the, the whole premise of starting the whole podcast. I started the podcasting industry in 1995, and I used those brands to kind of cultivate and create the World Tech Roundup. And they, uh, they continued with me for almost a decade. So was this the point, this was the point at which everything changed for you, right? Yeah, being... On what would be tradi- traditional radio, I was on WLS in Chicago, which was a, a big radio station. Yeah. Uh, still is. I would do a Saturday night show that was on radio, but I would do a podcast every day. And I was the first. And being the first, I started all those relationships that were trying to do more digital media on the web. So Real Audio or Real Networks and Microsoft and those companies. So they positioned me as being, hey, this is that mouthpiece to talk about tech, but in a cool way, because they couldn't translate their message properly. Because let's face it, any good business, if they can translate their message properly, they connect with their audience. The problem is these companies didn't know how to do that. And that's what I did for them. I translated their message. So they paid me a premium during that time to do that. And so they positioned me at all the top conferences to kind of be that talk show host at the nerdiest of all conferences. And it worked. It allowed me to meet everybody I needed to meet. So what got you to that point? Was it brilliant, uh, a brilliant idea or was it really persistence? You know, Bob, I think the whole, and this, this is across the board, and that is, as long as you're genuine, authentic, and real, and not steal, not look at a single deal, but look at a long-term relationship, that's what I did. When I looked at companies like Microsoft, and I used Microsoft because they were really good to me for a long time, I saw them as a bunch of very intellectual, high IQ people that didn't have good EQ. There wasn't the emotional connection, and I kind of knew that. So I met with people with high IQs that had low EQs, and I was at bridge point from them to the general audience that was sitting on that new internet thing, and I made them look cool, and that's all I was. Think about me as the Dick Clark for the internet, theoretically. That's what I did for them. That's that's pretty pretty um, heavy comparison but you're right you're right so you came well, it was, in from it was right at the beginning <laughs> you came in from cold but hip chicago to groovy and cool los angeles and uh, your newsletter at this stage is now being read by a hundred thousand people every day your radio show is going great guns so what happened 2 a.m one morning you sat up in bed and said wow today i think i'm going to create metal it's just come to me Ah, is that what all right, happened? So, uh, yeah, I like the way you said it. Uh, <laughs> what happened was I moved to Los Angeles, and I'm not sure. How long have you lived in Los Angeles? 27 years. You've been here a long, long... You've actually seen probably the multiple recreations of Los Angeles. I yeah. mean, you're an Aussie. I'm from Chicago. Um, I know the Australian market quite well. I actually did a lot in Australia, but in Chicago also, I think people are very genuine as well as they are in, in, in Australia. Uh, coming to Los Angeles, since it's kind of that center point where people from around the world congregate, there's a lot of fake it till you make it type attitudes here. And unfortunately, I think it becomes part of the culture where there's a lot of fakes. 
there's a lot of posers. And to cut through that, in some cases, can take years. Yeah. So I decided that I knew a few people in Los Angeles, and I would suggest anyone listening to do the same thing. I asked those people that I knew, I trusted, and I knew they were genuine also, to hang out. Let's, let's kind of help each other out as a small group. Sure. Started with only three people, and it just exponentially grew because I asked those people that I trusted to bring people they trusted. And that was kind of the whole precursor to everything, was just bringing real, authentic, genuine people together. So Metal now has grown from two people to 1,600 of the most successful and influential business people in America, including, as I understand it, five billionaires and God knows how many people with a lousy couple hundred million. Um, (laughs) So why do a dozen or so executives from startups and early stage companies and established companies try to join every single week? What is it that... I can't think I've never seen another organization where people that are successful and are uh, mega ambitious are prepared to give up five hours every week to go to an organization. What is the secret to metal success? Having said that, I would not miss it. I, I, I would crawl through broken glass when I'm in town to go. I just love wow, this. How about this? I don't try to miss it either when I'm in town. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll miss you when you hey, Bob, miss it. Bob, you know what? I've got to tell you, you know, everyone pays membership, including myself, because I get just as much out of it as everyone else does. So I'm there, and I, I, I had to wait in line because I, I actually forgot one of my membership payments, and I, I was running late, and I had to wait in line like everybody else. Um, <laughs> I, I think it goes back to the priesthood, you know, the, the goal of any congregation of people there has to be something that motivates them to grow together as a community. Mm. And I find that in our community, information, education, entertainment are, are really, really important. And to drive our brains to the next level, we have to stand the, the cutting edge, the bleeding edge. And uh, I toil every day to try to find something that no one else has seen, and that's what I present in front of the group. But here, I want to share something else that I, you, you touched upon, and that is, you see all these people every week that come to join, and we might have 15 people, 20 people every week that join, but only two will make it. We're very, 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 very selective sure. because it's about that culture, and it's not that somebody isn't the right person to be part of the group. They have to be exactly the right, meaning I don't want to affect that ecosystem because all you guys work together, 85% of the group are doing deals together, and that, I don't know, yeah, I go to TED I go to the Clinton Global Initiative. I go to Milken. I go to all those events. I've never seen events where everyone's like a family. That's like the first time I've seen it, other than a a cult. Everybody (laughs) wants to help everybody. And, uh, you know, I'm working with about eight people, I think, that in various things uh, at Metal. But Saturday afternoon when I get home from Metal is my most productive time of the week. I get home, I'm fired up, I want to change the world, (laughs) I really get into it. (laughs) I do more work from like 2 o'clock until 7 o'clock on a Saturday than I do the rest of the week. Why? Why is that? I don't know, it just fires me up. It's just being around people that are so motivated and so dynamic and it's just such a buzz. You know, it's it's probably the same for everybody and I, I I wonder why it's just Saturday you know what I think Bob is this too 
when you go to that event, and we're not just picking about this event, everyone, because I think it's, it's a community that always hangs together, but you're at one place where you can have five, maybe even ten meetings yeah. all in one afternoon. I mean, it, it's, it's like a, it's New York in a week. You could do it in one day. And having an epicenter like that, I wish other people would do something in, in Sydney, in New York, in London, where they can do one day and all your meetings are done in that one day. It's such a I would say probably the most productive time, you're right, because yeah, it's it everything it's, in one place. I love it. So, okay, so we've now got to 2012, and you adapted <laughs> what, you, what we do, at, what happens at Metal to Radio, and Business Rockstars was born and is now a phenomenal success and a brilliant program, and I don't know how the hell you do it. I put a lot of work into my program, and I'm on for an hour a week. You're on for 10 hours a week. I, I just can't imagine. Um now, yeah, gonna... I'll tell you something. It's not an hour. I, I just got the call. We, we starting October first. We're in forty million homes on television. Wow. Starting October, oh, fantastic! The first week. That's yeah, great. I, you know, Bob. The way I do it is, it's a team. I mean, I, yeah. I, um, I, that's it. And you know, I, I don't get paid to do it. It's a, um, it's, it's because I know I can meet five new people a week. I mean, a day on the show that I could either bring in the metal or I could find ways to bring them together. That's, that's, that's the premise behind that. That's all right. it is. Okay, so we all understand that the, um, there's only one way to succeed, and that's to work hard and smart. Now, but you've got a two-hour radio program every day, an ambitious and continuous social media strategy. You've got a taxing metal production to put together every week. You speak all over the world. I'm exhausted already. And... You know, I read that part of your. I, I read this and I sat there and I thought, this must be a typo. But it says the key to your success is reportedly making fifty to eighty phone calls a day, meeting twenty-five to fifty new people every week, and bringing together two hundred to three hundred people every week. The last one I accept. But how the hell do you do that? Time oh yeah, there, there's a typo. No, no, you're right. There's a typo. No, I try to do a hundred phone calls a day. Oh, hundred. Oh, okay. No, boy, hey, Katzenberg does 200 calls. I mean, he's the one that really, when I, when I, when I met Jeff and I saw what he does, he's, he's tireless. And his key to success, to which he told me, was he has to hit 200 calls a day. And, I mean, doing 100 is, I have, a, I have a really cool program, and I could show you next time I see you, where it literally is a call list. And what it is, think of a playlist of music. Yep. But I put in the night before all my calls I have to do, and then while I get ready for my show, I, I literally bike to my office every day. And while I'm biking, I make all my, my calls. And once I hang up on one, it rings the next person. Hangs oh, really? up on the next one, it rings the next one. Yeah, and I do this throughout the entire day, and it shows me how many more calls I have. Every single day, I load up my call list. And I love doing that. It's one of my favorite things to do the night before is loading up my call list. And I call people just to wish them happy birthday. I mean, it's you a connection are, point. You're extraordinary. Truly. So <laughs> you describe yourself as a diehard entrepreneur and you say that, you know, you jump out of a plane and then on the way down you're doing 250 miles an hour and you think, shit, is my parachute on? Um, <laughs> I think that describes most entrepreneurs really, but does that really describe the Ken Rakowski of today? No, I probably have three or four parachutes on the airplane. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, well, it's true. I think what happens is when we're young, yeah. which I, 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 we love that aspect of, of risk. 
Yes. I think as we get a little older, we know that we could have control risk, and it's exciting to have control risk, but preparation, I think, is the key to luck. And, Absolutely. And uh, the more I prepare, the luckier I am, yeah. and I think that's the key. Absolutely. So one of the difficulties about business today, and I know this is a problem with me, is the balance between work and personal life. Now, Marissa Meyer famously said that you can balance these easily. You simply spend the first 30 years of your life working and the last 30 on personal things. Um, now, you've got a, a great wife in Meyer and a couple of terrific kids that you love to bits. So how well do you really balance out your life? Okay, so the way I, I break it out first is, you're right, my partner, Maya, is my business partner, too, and I, yeah, I see brilliant. her every day, and we share time together. She's awesome. She's, she is. You know, so I'm so, thank God I'm not a priest. Efficient. Thank God. <laughs> she's thank so God. efficient um, and effective, and, and she's amazing. <laughs> she's Asian, so I outsource everything to her. But what I, what I, I, I see it is this way. We, we have things on the books. Her name is Maya. And uh, after I'm done with my radio show, uh, which is about 2 o'clock every day, yeah. um, on Mondays it's Maya Monday, and I turn everything off, and that's her day, whatever she wants to do. Um, but, you know, metal, we do hikes on Sunday with, you know, I'm not, you've been on a few hikes. Yeah, you know, we, we I might get about halfway through and I'm bugging. Oh, stop it. <laughs> now, we might have 60 to 80 people. It's a lot of fun, but that's work for us too, but it's, it's, it's good times together. Yeah. Maya understands that the the beast of our business is to always make sure people are in activity and in motion. Yep. And she loves doing that too. So work is play for us. There are loads of people sitting out there listening or thinking about coming entrepreneurs who have just become entrepreneurs. They're probably a little hesitant because of the risk. What's your primary advice to a potential startup entrepreneur? I mean, it's got to be the most difficult well, it, thing it, in the world. Without a doubt, I mean, risk is part of it. I, I think that there's a bigger risk of not being happy and having a job that you're reliant on somebody else and yeah. beholden to somebody else. That's a bigger risk in my eyes. I think if you're out there and you're hitting the snooze button way too many times in the morning because you can't stand going work and Sunday night seems to be a torturous time because you can't handle Monday mornings and all you do from Monday through Friday, you think about Friday night because you don't want to be at the office. I think that's a bigger risk to be in a place where Absolutely. your mind, heart, and body are not there. That's a bigger risk. I think it's a better place to be where you control the outcome of, of your future. Yeah, I agree. How would, you, how would you like to be in a bank and get in there in the morning and say, hello, Mrs. Smith, how are you? How would you like that hundred? tens or twenties and you do that 50 times a day five days a week you would go stark raving bloody nuts wouldn't you oh no if i owned the bank i'd be okay about that <laughs> yeah right? knowing you you probably would own the bloody bank um, so it's, what's it's, your... <laughs> you know i i come on you gotta admit you know bob what's great is you and i and the people we share time with we are not just with people our age. We're with people that are, you know, in their in their early twenties that have that energy. And then we have friends of ours that are actually in their eighties and nineties that have the similar energy that these kids in their twenties have. And it's it's a consistent pattern. That is yeah. they see a vision and no one is gonna get in their way of 
clouding it because they want to make it happen. And I think that's what drives you as well as myself, too. And that is we get excited about them not allowing something else to get in their way. Yeah. So what's the biggest challenge you've ever faced personally? Uh, I would suggest that in most cases, and I know that you're, you're pretty good at this, too. I think uh, divorce it was, uh, <laughs> I'm very good at you're, that. That's, that's, you're that's an probably, outlier. <laughs> that's probably the one thing I've got a gold medal in. Um, <laughs> you are a pro. I, 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 you know what? And what it is is you, you think you're with that person that has the same vision as you do, and you give them every tool and resource to help you become better at who you should become, and then eventually they use it against you. And it's only because it's a protective mechanism for them. And I think that was the hardest because it suffers everything, personal and professional. Everything is not just put on pause, but it's destroyed. And then you have to build up again. I, th- so I think if, if you're an ambitious entrepreneur, um, it's very difficult to find somebody that grows at the same speed, particularly when you're younger. Yeah. And, uh, you're right. I agree. So it's, so it's difficult. Okay, what's the biggest challenge in business that you've faced? Hmm. You know, I don't. I don't know the answer to that because I think everything is always a challenge. You know, right now what we're trying to do is we're going into a very difficult medium, being radio. Sure. Radio has suffered immensely. Very similar to the publishing industry. People don't listen to traditional terrestrial radio, so we know that we have to bend the rules to turn this into. You know, my partner created Premier Radio Network Day very, very well on that. And we're looking at, hey, how do we not use radio as a radio mechanism, but as a promotional mechanism for events? So I think that wherever I'm at today, here, let me give you an example. Have you ever been to Disney World or Disneyland? Frequently. I've got to say this. I love the concept of somebody being able to attract you to come to their place empty your pockets, totally empty your pockets, and then walk out going, wow, what a fantastic day. Now, if every, <laughs> if every entrepreneur could emulate that, everybody would do really well. You're right. But let me – this is great. I just – I took my kids to Disney World. Not Disneyland, but Disney World in Orlando. And yeah. I remember very, very vividly – of the apps we downloaded to understand what lines were the most efficient to move through. I, I know what we did for queue management as much as we could. Right. And the lines were 45 minutes in some cases, an hour long. And I remember standing in line just going, oh, my God, these lines. But if I ask my kids the day after and the week after and the month after, what do they remember the most of Disney World, they will never say the lines. No. Matter of fact, the lines weren't even an issue even though they were so painful when we were doing it, and I think being an entrepreneur is the same thing, you remember the ride, not the time it took to get on the ride. Yeah. So I don't remember the pain of the past. I just remember the ride. Yeah, no, I agree. So who's the one person that inspires you the most? Doesn't have to be business, but a business would be cool. The one person you know, that inspires I, someone, you. Someone you and I mutually know, I, I am 100% bromanced in love with Nolan Bushnell. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. He's a great guy, isn't he? He's a gigantic kid. He sees the world the way I wish everyone could, and that is as a gigantic opportunity of just wonderfulness. 
and he lives life to the fullest. And I, I, as I'm talking about him right now, I'm tearing up because I wish there were more Nolans in the world today because those are the change makers that make life wonderful. I agree. Ken, yeah. thank you very much for speaking with me on the 200th Bob Pritchard radio show. Congratulations. Now, yeah. My mate here, Ken's done 2,800 or something. Well, Right. thousands anyway mate you're a legend i really appreciate everything you do for everybody that's around you so check your local radio listening listings on where you can find business rock stars in your city if you're in business any sort of business you don't have to be an entrepreneur any sort of business business rock stars is a must listen to program and if you want to find out more you can go to businessrockstars.com and I'll be back with more of the 200th Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Network after this short break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the 200th Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel, the number one global business radio show for entrepreneurs. And today we're broadcasting from Los Angeles. This is Jen, president of Jen and Joe's Cookie Dough, wishing Bob a very happy 200th show. Thanks for the interviews that we had. It was a great lot of fun. Thanks, Jen. Interesting. It's appropriate to have Jen on because I first met Jen on Ken's Business Rockstars program. Um, I was appointed as her mentor and we kept in touch for quite a long time and uh, she sent me lots and lots and lots of their fabulous cookie dough, and uh, great to hear from her. Um, Jen and Joe's cookie dough. When you go into your supermarket, you have got to go in and get some Jen and Joe's cookie dough, if only for the reason that she bootstrapped the business, struggled and struggled and struggled, and it is now hugely popular right across the country. And not only that, the cookie dough is bloody fantastic. I wouldn't lead you astray. It is great. It's fair to say that, you know, I'm not a fan of speed cameras. I recently drove halfway across the country and when I returned home, had a whole bunch of speeding tickets that added up to, I don't know, somewhere around $1,000. The ridiculous thing is that for some of these tickets, I was only marginally above the limit. So I'm not happy that we're at a point where the speed of all motorists can be constantly monitored. I appreciate that this would eliminate the need for those bloody pesky cameras and the all-too-familiar fear when approaching a small town and slowing down, trying to dodge the cameras and also cops that are hiding behind trees and billboards. However, surely the monitoring of our driving speed is an excessive intrusion into our lives. Uh, But the bad news is that the technology is already here, but it's the private sector, not the government, that's rolling it out. Trucking companies use GPS technology to check that drivers take regular breaks, don't speed, 
monitor excessive braking and acceleration. So you no, no longer need to buy expensive tracking devices to monitor speeding as smartphones can accurately track speed and even acceleration and braking. So um, companies in the US and Britain have also unveiled a range of apps that track driving but can also cut out distractions like SMS messages, emails and phone calls. Now, they're all good things. They are all good things. Uh, some of the apps are pitched at parents who want to make sure that their teenage children drive safely. And I under, understand that. And others are designed for insurance companies. Hmm. Um, insurance companies are unveiling apps that reward drivers who exceed a level of compliance with the offer of things like discounted premiums and free roadside assistance. The insurance companies say that the technology helps them engage with their customers on a new level. I bet it does. So as an insurer, they will get detailed understanding of your driving habits and the level of risks that you take. That might be great if you're an insurance company, but not so great if you're a humble little motorist. They, insurance companies also believe that this will enable them to create a deeper engagement with their customers and make their brands more relevant. What a bunch of cods wallop that is. They look at it as a different form of marketing. Now, I'm not so sure about that assumption. Over a 1,000 drivers took part in a beta test and apparently the overwhelming majority said it made them more aware of the speed limits. Additionally, the app provided very detailed information on their driving habits. So when I'm driving, I'm usually aware of the speed limits, but one of the problems is that who sets them? Usually they seem to be set way too low and they vary constantly with little apparent reason. How long do you think it'll be before the authorities use the app? Probably as soon as they realise there could be a big dollar in it. Hi, Bob. This is Mark Goulston, one of your fortunate guests and the author of Just Listen, which became the top book on listening in the world. Hey, congratulations on your 200th show. It's amazing how quickly that's gone. And congratulations on everything you provide to your listeners so they can be more successful at work and at home. Thanks again. Thanks, Mark. He's a brilliant guy, Mark. Every company he consults with sets records. So I hope you've enjoyed today's Milestone Show, and we look forward to you joining us again next week for the first of our next 200 shows. Hi, this is Dave Giannetto, author of Big Social Mobile. In the world I work with, big data, social media, and mobile technology are all brought together with core objectives. It's rare to find a host that can dig deeply into those subjects. I think it's that expertise that's given Bob Pritchett such longevity as a host, and I want to congratulate him on his 200th episode. Thanks, David. David's brilliant at helping brands, um, audiences, and executives understand how information fuels performance, and he's also a member of the AISMM advisory team. This is Bob Pritchard. I've had a great 200th show, and I look forward to 201 next week. Bob Pritchard, I look forward to your company this time next week. 
You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.